new here, one of the pastors on staff, and one of my responsibilities is what, what happens on this campus is my responsibility. And man, when I got Monday night, the six o'clock service, when things don't get, aren't manageable, anybody a control freak and you like freak out when things aren't manageable? Some of you are going, that was me. We literally had to turn people away. We, we had seated everybody in here, of course, and then in the courtyard and parking spaces here and started shuttling from the street. Still, we had to tell people that you can come and stand in the rain, but it won't be a great experience because we don't want you to just come to church. We want you to come and have an amazing experience and meet with God. You hear me? Which brings me to the other part of my job is, I overs- because I oversee what's going on in this campus, I oversee what's going on in the new building project. And it really hit me hard the other night. And I just want to make sure that you know that we, we are all owners. And it wasn't past, this, this, this campus isn't Pastor Carl's. It's not the staff. It's not the church board. It's all of ours. Every one of us own a piece of this campus if you call Anchor Church your home family. And I just need you to know that we're about to build a building. Put that picture up there, Tate. That's the building we're about to build right there. And by we, I mean all of us. And I'd love to encourage you if you're not a part of this yet, because we had a plan to be on this campus in three years. And I know in my heart, I have an urgency that's pounding in my heart that we have to be up here way before that, because God's blessing what we're doing here. He's bringing people to get to know Jesus, and we don't want to stand in the way of that. So if you just throw it out there, if you'd like to know more about the project or be a part of it, commit to it in any way, just see me on the courtyard afterward, and I'll be glad to hook you up. Okay, enough of that. Everybody done with Christmas? Like, isn't it amazing about Christmas? We put so much work into it leading up to Christmas, and all of a sudden it's over. How many people take the tree down Christmas Eve? I mean, Christmas night. Christmas night. After Christmas is over, how many people take their tree down? Like it's in the trash already. Because bam, it's over. I mean, around my house, if, if, you, if you don't know me, uh, Christmas is kind of a big deal around my house. If you don't know that, it is. Here, here's, here, we've kind of themed it. My family kind of themed it out this year. This is what we looked like. Yep. Yeah, my kids talked me into It wasn't my wife and my wife, Deb, and I's finest hour. I can, I'll be saying that, yeah. But anyhow, we had a great time Christmas, but bam, it's over. But when we, Christmas is over, guess what we get to do? Turn the clock to a new year. And I believe God has created the calendar just for that reason, so that we can reset, that we can slow down long enough to plan for a new year, a new exciting year. Can you take that photo down, please? They stopped looking, they stopped listening to me, looking at the photo. Everybody's eyes are up there. Because it's important to know that, you know, we're turning the calendar to a new year. Fresh start, new beginning, renewed vision, all that comes with a fresh start. Some of us, you know what? We might need to take a mulligan, a do-over. But whatever it looks like, we are moving into a new year. And every year when we get to this time of year, for me, I always pray. I spent the last probably four months praying into this new year. And so is the church staff. And, and, And I've been praying for a word for myself and for my family. And every year I do this. And I really believe that as we've worked, come, come up to this new year, the church staff, Pastor Carl and the team, we've gone away to really plan out 2019 and the preaching schedule and how we want to help you grow in your love for God. 
We've already, we're, we're working through that and, and some of the things that we're doing around here. And the word I've come up with, and I think it fits a church, I think it fits my life and my family, and I really believe it's a word for all of us, all of us. And the word is intentional. That we would spend this year being very intentional about the way we live. And I want you to know that's the way it is here at Anchor Church. We, some of you asked me the other day, what's, what's Anchor Church all about? It's very simple. We, 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 we used to do a ton of things. We did it all. Re, camp, uh, conferences, camps, you name it, we did it. Not anymore. We are focused. We're intentional about a couple things. Anchor Church exists to connect you with God and his family and to equip you to be involved with what he's doing around the world. And that's what we do. Our desire is that you would, we do weekend services. We prepare our messages so that you can connect on a deep level. We don't want you to just know God up here. We want you to be loving God here. That literally God is the driving force to move you into miraculous ways. The word says that he gives you power. We want you to know that power. And secondly, we want you to connect to his family because you know what? All of us go through things and God never ever in his word all the way from cover to cover in this Bible talks about making sure that we do it together, connecting you to God's family. And how we do that around here is through connect groups, through connect groups. So there's a couple of things I just want to throw out to you as we intentionally move into 2019. If you've never been to Growth Track, if you've never taken the time to join us, it's four weeks. It happens every Sunday for four weeks. Starts this next Sunday at the 11 o'clock service in the, in the church offices, and it's Growth Track. And we're going to talk to you about who we are, how we see God, and, and what we believe in. And we're going to go through a bunch of things. And the next thing we're going to do, which starts in January, is connect you to a connect group. We want everyone to do life together. I have been in connect groups, have led them for many years. For over 30 years, I've been in connect groups. Some of the most amazing people that are in my life, gifts from God to me, have been in my connect groups. And and I'm looking right out of this, in this congregation right now, people who have been in my connect group, and I want you to know how much you mean to me. I have I want you to know, if you get involved in a connect group, you're going to make some of the closest friends because you're going to go through life together. Are you hearing me? But as we approach this year personally, as we approach this personally, I would like, I just want to encourage you, inspire you to live life, living it intentionally. All of us, all of us, for sure me, and when I wrote this message, I was really talking to me and you just get to hear my thoughts about me. But all of us go through this crazy cycle in life. We can fall into it so fast. You know what the crazy cycle is? Get up. Eat breakfast. If you got kids, get down here. Eat breakfast. Get dressed. Gotta go to school. Get to work. Barely. Get home. Get dinner ready. Get your homework done. Get your kids to sleep. Turn the TV on and veg. Repeat the next day. And then repeat the next day. And we fall in the crazy cycle. And I just want to encourage us as a church family to get off the crazy cycle and really do some things, which we're going to talk about today, to allow you to live intentionally. As I was studying the word for the last, for a while now, as I've known this word in my mind, I realized that literally 
from cover to cover in this book, every, every page. It doesn't use the word intentional, but I realize just how intentional God's love is for me. He desires nothing more than for us to love him as well, for us to be intentional about our relationship with him and the people that he put in our lives. And the most amazing thing is when we really realize how important this is to God is to realize the blessing that comes with that intention. When we intentionally choose to put God first in our life, when we intentionally choose to put people and love them and care for them deeply, God says, I reward that. You know, on, on Christmas uh, around my house, uh, you know, we're a little on the nuts side. You know, we're a little on the Griswold side around here, my wife and I. And we love to bless our kids. In fact, my kids don't like it that I spoil my grandkids. I truly spoil my grandkids. And we go out and spend a lot of time buying them presents. The perfect, not just any present. It has to be, in my, in my way of thinking, it has to be the perfect present that fits their personality. And I want them to smile. I want them to be blessed on Christmas Day. Well, that's the way God is with you and I every day. When we intentionally love God and love others that he's put in our life, God showers blessings. Sometimes we're going through life so fast we don't even realize the blessing that God's giving us. But he always wants to reward us both now and in eternity. Are you hearing me? And as I was reading the word, I could have used hundreds of scriptures to talk about God's intent for loving us and God's intent for us to love others and himself. But I came across, in, as I was reading Psalms recently, I realized King David in, in Psalm 111 and 112, it's really talking about God's heart for us, to, for our intentional living. And I kind of camped out in these verses in, in uh, Psalm 112. So if you have your Bible open to Psalm 112 or your phone app, let's look at it. 112, and we're going to start in verse uh, 5. It says this. I'm going to read the whole verse 5 through 7, then we're going to talk about it. It says, Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts will steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Let me break that down. Let me really look at it. See, from, I want you to see God's heart for us and his heart that we would have for him. First it says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. Just the other day, uh, my wife and I were going to a dinner party and she came out and she goes, hey, hey, how do I look? I said, good. She wasn't looking for good. She was looking for amazing, spectacular, beautiful. She wasn't looking for good. See, when we read good, we might think, oh, good. But see, in God's mind, that's exactly what he means. When he says good, he means, I'm going to blow your mind. I want to truly bless you beyond your wildest imaginations. Amazing things are going to happen for those who are generous and lend freely. You know what that means? Is that our hearts would be so open. We would be, there would be, our hearts would be so open to God that we would absolutely want to give our lives away. Want to give our lives to others. Wants to give our lives to God. We freely, of course, we give our money we give our time, we give our energy, we give our love, we give our compassion, we give our mercy. God says, I want to bless that. He goes, I will bless those who live their lives, it says this, who conduct their affairs with justice. That means those who literally live their lives with intention. 
Those who literally live their lives with integrity. Those who live their lives obeying God. I'm going to surely bless that. And here's how he blesses it. He says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. Now, if you're new to the word of God, you're brand new and, and you hear that word righteous, you might think there's nothing righteous about me. But trust me, there's nothing righteous about me either. But what it really means is that we're right with God. He goes, surely those who know me and trust me will never be shaken. And you're thinking, wait, Rob, are you saying that my world will stop shaking? The storms will stop coming? Nope. I promise you the shaking will stop. All you have to do is look at the news and see that this world is off its rocker. Shaking, I mean, this is, this is crazy, crazy, crazy town. And even our own lives, it can be shaken like crazy. The world around us could be going crazy. But what the word says, and God says, if you intentionally love me, you will not be shaken. Many years now, we've changed our name from Hope Chapel to Anchor Church. It's the same verse in Hebrews, but Pastor Carl said, I want, I want to use the word anchor because, see, when we're an anchor, holds the boat from moving in the deepest storms, the boat won't move. That's what an anchor does. It holds the thing secure. And God says, if you put your arms around me in the, whatever storm comes your way, whatever hurricane, whatever cat fives going on, maybe a poor health report, maybe a relationship that's not working, maybe finances going crazy, maybe just craziness going on in your world. God says, if you hang on to me, I'm going to be your anchor. And here's a legacy verse for me. Here's the one that really just hit me, my personally, the hardest. He goes, they will be remembered forever. See, I'm, I'm on the back nine of life. You know what that means? I'm on the downward slope of life. And my job, my, my passion is to finish well. I want to finish well. It's really important to me. And I want to be, I want to leave a legacy to my family. See, here's my family. Here's what they look like without pajamas on. That's my family. And my absolute intention, and I'm living intently for that family. I will go, I will move heaven and earth. If they need me, I will be there no matter what. Nothing's more important to me. And especially my grandkids. Show my grandkids. These are my amazing grandkids. I just need you to know that nothing is more important to them. And when I say leave a legacy, I want them to know Jesus. I want to be a reflection of Jesus to them. I want them to make no mistake. Of course, their parents, amazing parents who love Jesus, who are bringing Jesus into life. But I want to be a part of that. I want generations to come to know Jesus because of my grandkids. Are you hearing me? I want them to share God with others. I want generation after generation. And guess what? That does not happen by accident. You must be intent about taking the time. I golf on Friday. I've golfed every Friday for over 30 years. Now, everybody around here knows if you want Rob to show up a meeting, it better not be on a Friday morning. That's a fact. I golf, and I've golfed with the same guy, uh, Dr. Earl, for all that time. Him and I started golfing. Now many guys joined us over the years, and we golf first thing Friday morning. In fact, for the longest time, nothing was more important than that. Today, though, if my wife or my kids say, or my, especially my grandkids say, hey, Papa, I need you to come to my Mayday practice. I need you to come to this. Golf is out now because I am going to be intentional about making sure my grandkids know they can always count on me. 
And it says you'll be remembered forever. That means even in eternity. I know generations that come to know the Lord because of my kids and my grandkids, I'm going to see in heaven someday. Are you hearing me? It doesn't happen by accident. It happens through intention. And I love this one. As we move into the new year, we always, we're glad that happened, but sometimes we're worried, oh man, sure hope, I sure hope this is a good year. Here's what it says here. It says, and they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Isn't that an amazing verse? Again, bad news. Sometimes a dearest friend of mine who goes to this church, very dear friend, had to go get a biopsy on the day on Christmas Eve for some spots that's on his kidneys. Now, we don't, know, we don't know the end result of that biopsy yet. Of course, we're praying our brains out. But I, I can tell you this. That gentleman knows that even though it could be a bad report, his love for God is stead. I mean, he is full-on trusting God. Are you hearing me? That's so, so important. I'm a pastor. Pastor Carl leads this, and I'm privileged to be one of these pastors and in the, in the Bible, the Bible uses the word, the metaphor shepherd to describe a pastor. And a shepherd cares for their sheep. They guide their sheep. They're there. They make sure that they're not lost. And that's exactly what our job is as pastors, to guide you, direct you, help you through life. And did you know that there's two parts to your life? There's a part we're living right now, which dominates our thinking for sure absolutely dominates. It dominates our preaching. It dominates your life. You're just trying to get through to tomorrow because that's the life we're living right now. But do you know the vast majority of our life is not spent here on earth? Let me show you this. Word picture time. So see this little red part here? See this rope? It actually goes out the door over the coal house all the way around all the way around, over Japan, over that continent, around, and just keeps going and going and going. And this part here, this represents our life. The word says it's but a blink, a vapor. It reminds us over and over, this life here is temporary. See, this is the day that you were born. This is going through life, you know, getting married, having kids, retirement. Bam, your last breath. But your last breath here is your first breath here. Are you hearing me? And that's forever. And how we live now affects there, all there. And my job is to help you know that someday when you take your last breath and your first breath in heaven, where do you think you're going to be? In front of Jesus. And I want to prepare you for that moment. I have to prepare you. Let me read this in, in Romans. It says this in Romans. If you're new to the word, I just want to make sure that you know. This is kind of the theology part of the message, the deeper part of the message. It says this. So why are you condemning other believers? Why do you look down on one another? In other words, what do you care about them? Well, you better worry about you because you're going to stand before me someday. Remember, you will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me. Every tongue will declare allegiance to me. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Every one of us will stand before God someday. Here's how I picture it in my mind. That when I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be ecstatic that I am before Jesus. In fact, I, I picture myself literally on my knees bawling 
you were, I knew, Lord, that you were real. I knew I could, I knew you were who you said you were. I knew you were God. I knew I could trust in you. you we, everybody, anybody ever have doubt in here? We all have doubt. All. That day, every fear we had is going to realize that I chose, actually, here's a deal. You didn't choose God. God chose you. Yet, it wasn't your deal. God opened your heart to him. And then what you did right was you accepted his invitation to know him. And you're going to be in heaven someday. And you're going to go, oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lord. You'll be, you're, you will, your mind will be blown. But here's the sad part. The vast majority of folks on this planet are going to stand there and go, oh, no. He was God. I was worshiping another God, or I rejected God completely. I even, I even made fun of his believers. Oh, my gosh. They're right. And I want to make sure I prepare you, because when you get there, I need you to know there's a test coming your way. There's going to be two questions asked of you. Any, any, anybody, a seat, uh, don't raise your hand. I was a seed student in school. Anybody an A student here? We didn't like you. <laughs> we wanted to be you, but yeah, we didn't like you. Now, it wasn't that I was not smart. It was I did not take tests well. Anybody with me on that? So I had this one class, um, Spanish class. And the Spanish teacher, when I was going to school, going to high school, he'd always, it would always be an open book test. Those are the best. How could you not ace that? Open book, no time limit. A. Here's the deal. The test that we're going to take, the answers are in the book. They are here. So let me give you those two questions. Because it's my responsibility to make sure you answer them correctly. The first one, and the most important one to start with is, number one question God's going to ask you. Did you know my son? Not here, but here. The word says in, in, in Matthew, it says, um, the scripture won't be on the board, but it says that many people preached in my name, talked about me, and I didn't even know them. Those are people who only knew him up here and walked away or worship other gods. But God's going to say, did you know me? Did you know me here? All of us are going to stand before God and ask that question. Did you know me? Here's what it says in the word. to give you some scriptures to back that up. It says in Revelation 20, then I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the books of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as it was recorded in the books. Here's the books, gang. You need to know this. This is the theology part of this message. The books are our sins. The book of life are those who know Jesus. All of us, everyone, the word says we have to pay for our sins. All sins need to be paid for. Jesus, God tells us that all the time. Throughout the word, God, Jesus told us sins must be paid for. Jesus sent his son to pay that price for those sins. 
and we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our sins were paid for. I remember I was talking to somebody. He goes, I can imagine I, I'm, there's going to be a big screen just like this one. And I'm going to stand before God. And all these people are going to be there waiting for their turn to talk to God. And all my sins, all the bad things I ever did are going to be on that screen. I'm going to be so embarrassed. If you think that, you're wrong. There will be no screen. Because all your sins were paid for. But the books that he's talking about, the plural books, are those, around, those that you know around the world that don't know Jesus. And that's the time they have to pay for that. You know, hell is not a place that God sends people he doesn't like. Hell is not a place he just, oh, I can't stand you. Get out of here. Hell is not that place. God doesn't want anyone to go there. Anyone. But God says you have to go there if you don't know me to pay for the sins that you committed. Are you hearing me? Which, if you really get your mind around that, should give us an urgency to make sure that anybody that doesn't know Jesus gets to know him because what they don't realize is their sins have already been paid for too. They don't need to spend that time there. All they need to accept Jesus. So that should give us some sense of urgency to know Jesus, right? So here's the answer to the first question. The question was, do you know my son? The answer is, Jesus, I knew you personally. I loved you. You were the most important person in my life. That's how you have to, that's the answer to the first question. When we stand before the great white throne, are you hearing me? Here's the second question. And the second question only comes to Christians. It's only for Christians. Some of you never knew this. You don't know what I'm talking about. Just for the record, though, I need you to know that heaven and hell are real places. I spent the first four months of this year, 2018, just immersed in studying about heaven. And I want you to know, and we did a sermon series on this earlier in the year called Heaven and Hell. If you want to know the in-depth look into the veil turned back of understanding what God talks about heaven, my, my dearest friend, the guy I've been golfing with for 30 years, a Christian with me, goes, the Bible doesn't say much about, about heaven. And I'm saying, are you kidding? It says a lot about heaven. God's not trying to keep heaven from us. He wants us to desire us to be there. Are you hearing me? Heaven and hell are real places. So the second question, if you're a Christian, you're going to stand before God, and he's going to ask you this question. What did you do with the gifts I gave you? What did you do with the gifts I gave you? Let me give you some scriptural back just to make sure you understand what I'm talking about here. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, we all must stand before Christ to be judged. These are Christians. We will, we will all receive what we deserve for the good and the evil that we've done in our bodies. In Matthew 16, it says this, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and we will receive a reward. For each, he will bring a reward for each person according to what they have done. The word reward is the word akademini in the original language, and it means to this. I'm going to repay all the things that they did for me as they loved other people. Are you hearing me? Because the gifts God's given you are the people in your life. When God created you, he put other people, your spouse, your kids, all those people God created just for you. And, and, the, and those people, he created you for them. Are you hearing me? 
Many times we go through life and we don't realize the gifts that other people are in our lives. We're racing through lives. I remember when I first got married, I did not see my wife as a gift to me. We couldn't get on the same page at all. I saw her as an irritant, not a gift. You know, why can't you just do it? What I, you know, what's up? We couldn't connect right until I realized this, that she was a gift to me and that her differences were a, were, were a weakness I had. And her weaknesses was a strength that I had. And when I finally realized we had to come together and really be one, a partnership, because God put that person in your life to do life with, to handle the issues that come about in life, to do it together. Are you hearing me? Your kids, your neighbors, your friends at work, all those people, all those people are gifts from you, from God to you. Are you hearing me? And second, so the question was, God's going to ask us, we, I just read the scripture, when we're going to stand before him as Christians, as lovers of Jesus, he's going to ask, what did you do with the gifts I've given you? Here's the answer. I'm preparing you for this. Because we live this life, that little red line, to be able to answer the question so we can spend eternity. Because the word does say over and over in the world that there's, that first of all, that heaven's a real place, and we're going to have real bodies. We're going to have real friends. We're going to have real jobs. We're going to have real responsibilities. We're, we're going to have an amazing time. Are you hearing me? Amazing. And how we spend that is answering this question. What would you do with the gifts I've given you? I gave my life away for them. Are you hearing me? One of the main themes of the Bible is God's generosity. I read it in, in Psalm 112 and verse 6 was about, well, verse 5 was about being generous. Over and over, the Bible talks about our generous. He wants us to have a spirit that we give our lives away for the gifts that God gave us. Are you hearing me? So the rest of the time this morning, I want to talk about how we can intentionally live our lives going towards eternity. Are you hearing me? First one, write this down. To live intentionally to be the best version of me I can be. To be the best version of me, I can be. The greatest gift God gave you besides his son was you. To live this amazing life. This amazing you. The beauty of who you are. The unique personality you have. The skills you have. The talents you have. The heart you have. That's all from God. And God says, I want you to take care of that. I want you to love you. Are you hearing me? to be the best version of you. I love what it says in Romans, uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 in the message version. It says this. Listen to this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you, because he knows to do this. We need God's help. It says this. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't, come, don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you just fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants you to do, quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you who wants to drag you down, 
to its level of immaturity. God wants to bring the best out of you by developing you to a full form, mature person. See, God wants you to be the best version of you. And he knows it can't happen unless he allow, you allow the Holy Spirit into your life. So number one, how to be the best version you can be is intentionally, every day, allow the Holy Spirit control of your life. Here's how I picture it in my life. Because anybody a control freak in here? Like, I'm the only one? We all are, gang. Here's a word we hate. Most of us hate this word. Hate it. Respond negatively to it. No. We hate to hear the word no. What do you mean no, I can't do that? What do you mean no? We want control. Here's how I picture it in my mind. I literally say, Lord, I'm so used to driving my car, my life. I got the steering wheels of my life. Just racing my, in fact, I'm white knuckled. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm the Holy Spirit. And I say, Lord, I'm sitting in the back seat. I want you to drive. I want you to speak to me, Lord. I want you to give me direction. I want you to give me inspiration. And guess what? The word says over and over he wants to. But he'll not barge in. So every day, here's what I would be the best version of you is. Allow the Holy Spirit to control you. Ask him. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Fill me today with your wisdom, Lord. Allow me to be the best version of me. Because you know that God's into create uh, into character development. He he desires more than anything that you develop into a mature person. Immature. I was watching my kids open their gifts on Christmas. Everybody and all all six of those grandkids are really selfish people. (laughs) Tell me, like man, wait, what did you get? I didn't get that. I want that. Maturity, though, is this. Maturity says, I put other people before me. And God wants us to grow into that. And the only way that can happen naturally is the Holy Spirit's guiding you. Are you hearing me? To be the best version of you, allow the Holy Spirit control of your life. Secondly, to be the best version of you, pay attention to what you're thinking about. Do you know that we all talk to ourselves all day long? We have this running conversation. We all do. Left unchecked, left unchecked, most of that that conversation rolling around your head, that self-talk, can be negative. Can be negative. Sociologists tell us up to 80% of our self-talk can be negative. Can you imagine if you spent the whole day thinking negative of your spouse? You've got, you're just loading your bullets up to come home. Guess what's going to happen when you come home? Nothing good. Because what you think is the way you feel, and the way you feel is the way you act. So here's to be the best version of you is, don't allow that negative thought to come into your mind. When you start thinking negative, you got to get it out. I've been doing, practicing this for, for consciously, intentionally for a year now. I preached this message last year and talked about this thing. Over throughout the year, people, as I've been coaching their relationships, I've realized that we so easily go negative, so easy, to the people in our family, to the people that just pull in front of us as we were driving to work when we didn't expect them to pull in front of us. Been there, haven't you? By your boss, we, we can get negative in a hurry. In fact, we can get dark even faster. And I would say to you, be self-conscious of what you're thinking. Let me read this. Well, here's what Apostle Paul says in, in Philippians 4, 8. It says, now, my dear brothers and sisters, 
one final thought. Here's the Apostle Paul, ready to go with, to be with God, and he's talking to us, dear brothers and sisters. Here, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna leave this, if you're gonna know you're gonna go and be with Jesus, and you had your family around you, I promise you, you'd be very careful in what you told them, wouldn't you? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul told us. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and loving and admirable. And think about the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. In other words, gang, allow your mind, allow your mind to only think good thoughts. Only think good thoughts. If you have, a, if you have an issue with someone, be willing to talk about it with grace. Hey, what did you mean there? Because sometimes, as I've been coaching couples, I have thousands of hours in coaching couples, and they, you know, I can tell that they, they start assuming things, and then they take that assumption, and they run it full bore. And I said, babe, you should have told that person that. Ask them, did you really mean that? And a lot of times they go, yeah, I didn't mean that. You took it wrong. Are you hearing me? Watch the way you think to be the best version of you. Can I just say this too? God says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of your body. Spend some time every day, because here's the deal. We live in a very stressful time. There's more ask of us in our workplace. There's more ask of us in our family. We live in Hawaii, the most beautiful place on the planet, but the most expensive place on the, on the planet. And you got to pay those bills, and it can be stressful. Anybody with me on that? And that stress can cause health issues. It does. Trust me, doctors tell you, stress, your body can't handle a lot of stress. It must be flushed out. And how do you do that? By exercising. Need to exercise. Are you hearing me? Second thing. So I want you to be intentional about being the best version of you. Secondly, I want you to be intentionally intentional about the way you treat the gifts in your life. Those are the people around you and your skills. I want you to be intentional about that. A lot of times we don't realize this, that the gifts that God's given us are the people around us. Here's how you do it. You intentionally value them. You value them. You intentionally believe in them. And you intentionally, unconditionally love them. You value them. You believe in them. And you unconditionally love them. And you unconditionally forgive them. Are you hearing me? For how that works out in my life every day, I make sure that my wife knows I value her. And she doesn't, she, I do that by using words. I tell her. I catch her. I said, babe, you look amazing today. Or I love that dinner. Or I, I love the way you're hanging out with the grand. I make sure that she knows I value her. Here's the deal. And this is, this is something that's super important to me. I do a lot of coaching with couples. And most of the people looking at me right now are married. Very important you hear me. You the spouse, have more power for your mate, your, your partner, than anybody on this planet. Their parents, anybody, their best friends. No one has the power to encourage, inspire, to lift up, to bring the heights that that person didn't even know they had in them than you, their spouse. And when you honor them and believe in them, they can go places, you can bring the best out of them. Conversely, because of that power, you also have the power, conversely, to hurt the other person 
with your words and your actions and your, your thoughts. Are you hearing me? This is big. So in 2019, I want you to think only the best of your spouse. I want you to value them, your children. I want them to know without a doubt they are the most important people in your life. And you do that by ticking off your, t- turning off your screens and just being present in their lives. Be present. Some of you have known me for a long time. And here, I, I, I'm, I have a couple of struggles I had, especially on here. I, w- I would talk to you, but when I was done with the conversation, I walked away. And some people would be going, I guess we're done. He walked away. So I, you know, that's the way I was. Many times we're like that. We, you ever get in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden you were done and they weren't? And you just kind of walk, mentally walked away and they even said to you, are you still here? Are you, are you, are you hearing me? Because we had already checked out. We were going on to the next thing we needed to do. Are you hearing me? Here's what I want us to do in 2019. Be present. Be present. Can I encourage you to, if, you're, if you have a family, because there's the reason I speak into this because there's so many families here with young children. Hear me. If, if you don't do family night, put that into your world. It's the best thing I ever did. Best thing I ever did. When they are that small, we did family night. Family night has a beginning and an end. It happens once a week, and it has no screens involved, period. Nothing like that. We just have to do it together. We do it once a week. It has a beginning and an end. Ours lasted for an hour and a half. That was it. Included meals. Today, fast forward, my kids are well into their 30s. They have kids. We still do family night every Friday, uh, Sunday night. Every Sunday night, we still do it. Why do I do it? Because I want to connect with them. I want to know what's going on with them. There's no screens involved. I want to know what's going on. I go to that family night intent on knowing my children even better, my grandkids even better. Do family night. You'll be blessed. And lastly, so be the best version of you intentionally. Intentionally love the gifts that God's given you. And lastly, intentionally follow your passions. Intentionally follow your passions. God put those passions in you. He built them on drive. And I want you not, as your pastors, one of your pastors, I don't want you to get to heaven one day. And God goes, man, I had so much more for you. I had all this planned for you. All these dreams in you. All this. And you got fearful. You felt like you couldn't do it. Your confidence was low. So you just didn't do it. And God would say to you today, here's the deal. What do you care deeply about? What do you cry about? What is longing in your heart? Those are passions God put there. And I want to say to you, follow those passions. Do not let anything. The word says in Ephesians, the third chapter, through God's Holy Spirit in you, you can accomplish infinitely more than you could ever dare, dare, ask, or dream through his Holy Spirit in you. Sometimes we hold back, and I want to say this year, I'm I'm not speaking to everybody, I'm speaking to somebody, though, that in 2019, you're going to follow your passions, your dreams, and you're going to be amazed at what God does in you and through you. Are you hearing me? So it'd be the best version of you, be intentional about loving the gifts that God's given you. And be intentional about f- living those passions out. When you came in this morning, you sat on something. Pick that up with me. Would you, would you, would you pick that up for me? Have that in your hand. I want, you to, I want you to be committing to this. I want you to spend some time today. 
So the ushers are going to come through at the end and re-put these back on the chairs. So I'll know how well I did. If these are still on the chairs, then we weren't doing very good today. But if, we, if you're willing to commit to this, I promise you, amazing things can happen in your life. What I want you to do is, I want you to write down, it doesn't have to be, I put five dots, it doesn't have to be five. It can be one or two, but what you'll do intentionally each day of your life differently than today. For instance, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of examples that I wrote down that I want my wife and I to really follow through on. I plan on getting up earlier every day. I'm going to get up a half an hour earlier every day so that I can spend more time with God and I can spend time to listen to him. Because sometimes we just read the word, get our, get, check that box, and we're out. We didn't spend any time. The two-way conversations. If I talk to my wife and I run away and don't hear, uh, wait for her response, she can be very happy with me because I'll probably get something upside my head. We need to spend some time with God and hear him. Second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to use my drive time to grow. I, I had a problem. I'm a sports lover. Anybody a Tua lover, by the way? He played well yesterday. Tua Tungabolo. Alabama. Okay, forget it. I'm going to use my drive time. Instead of listening to sports talk radio, I'm going to listen to podcasts and I'm going to listen to worship music. I'm going to intentionally not turn anything on that radio that I can't grow from while I'm in that car. You're hearing me? One other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to intentionally spend at least 15 minutes to a half an hour with eyeball to eyeball with my wife talking. Not as we're moving through life, just doing things, but we turn the TV off, turn the screens off, and I'm going to intentionally look at her, and she's going to look at me, and we're going to talk. We're going to connect every day. Hopefully that conversation will go longer, but I'm going to start there, right? I'm going to be grateful and thankful. I'm going to be purposefully grateful and thankful. I'm going to let my thoughts not go dark. I'm going to eat together with my family. I'm going to make sure we're eating together. Those are some of the things that I'm thinking about. Yours could be completely different. But I would just encourage you to spend a little time. What are the things that I'm going to do to be the best version of me, to love those gifts that I've given me, God's given me, and to ignite my passions. Are you there with me? Okay, let's pray. Lord, a lot of information this morning, Lord, and I know that as we turn the corner into a new year, turn the page, another chapter in our lives, Lord, as we start 2019, Lord, I pray as, the, as a pastor, Lord, that you would anoint, that you would bless these folks in this room right now, Lord that you would literally blow their mind of your goodness and your mercy and your grace in their life. Lord, we do claim your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. It says that you, through, your gener- through your glorious, unlimited resources, you give us a mighty inner strength through your Holy Spirit that would come to know your love, the width, the depth, the length, and the height of your love like never before, Lord, that we'd come to trust you in ways that would just, Lord, that you'd be so proud of us that we trusted you so much. And then we claim your last the word, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you'll accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare, dream, ask, or hope. In Jesus' precious name. And we all said, amen. Hang on. Bow your heads one more time because one of the most important things we do here is to allow people to come to know Jesus for the first time. Like I said in the sermon, eternity is for real. And someday you're going to stand before God. When you take your first breath in heaven, I said that you're going to stand before God. And he's going to ask you a question. Did you know my son? And here's an opportunity. If you've never come to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is what we're going to do right now. This is a time just for you. But I want to know who I'm praying with. So if that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you want to know Jesus, you've never accepted Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. 
so that I can pray with you. I want to know who I'm praying with. I see you. Okay, pray with me, guys. Pray with me. Lord, I believe that you are God. I believe that you died for me, Lord. I believe you created me. And I believe that you are real. Lord, I pray that you come into my heart right now, Lord, and change me from the inside out, Lord. Allow me to to be that different person, Lord. Let me to lead me to your word. Let me understand your grace and your mercy more every day. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Good to be with you this morning. I'm, I'm praying for your 2019 to be an amazing year for you. The best year ever, actually.